Welcome to the Plain Sight podcast hosted by Invisible. Invisible Technologies is a fascinating company. Uh, we essentially make complex business problems disappear. So we partner with you. We figure out what your operations are. We figure out what your processes are. We figure out what your team doesn't like to do. And we basically do that better, faster, cheaper. Uh, but this isn't specifically about what we do. It's also the philosophy behind why we do it. So this show really gets into what makes Invisible tick. Uh, who are the key players at Invisible? Who are the key players outside of Invisible who enjoy our work? Um, what are all the things that are going on inside of Invisible? What a podcast does, it allows you to find out things that you normally wouldn't be able to find out. So it's like a fireside chat that's basically decentralized and anybody can listen to it at all times. So we really invite you to uh, listen and subscribe if you really like these episodes. And as always, you can reach out to anybody on the Invisible team. Uh, our website is invisible.co uh, and we're happy to have you here. Welcome to the Plainsight Podcast. My guest today is Daniel Risteski. He is an operations analyst at Invisible Technologies. Welcome to the show. Hi, Stuart. Thank you for having me. Very excited and appreciate and uh, appreciate being here. Yeah. So what does an operations analyst do? Well, an operations analyst is like sort of um, to put it into what we refer to as a muggle concept is the bridge in between the different types of operations and the different types of technologies that are being uh, implemented within a company. So we can uh, literally streamline internally and externally the services and the tasks that we do so we can provide service or a product with much higher quality and at the same time make sure that everyone is aware of what is it that they need to do and help kind of enhance the concept and optimize the tasks that need to be done whether that's vertically or horizontally within the management and structure of the company itself well i thought this was going to be a machine learning uh, uh podcast but this is actually going to be a knowledge management podcast uh because what you just said is you're basically in a knowledge management role what is your understanding of knowledge management? Have you heard of it? And what does it bring to mind to you? Uh, thank you for that. That is a, quite an interesting question. Um, I love, um, one thing that I, that I love about Invisible, and this kind of uh, uh, goes into me answering the question, is that uh, there is no definitive uh, view on something that needs to be done, which kind of creates a concept of creativity where everyone should provide their insight and then we kind of create a concept based on that take whatever is the best and we proceed with that and that alters your mindset and changes your mind when we say knowledge management um, what comes into mind for me is a uh, literally the concept of us studying and understanding the world around us mm. but when we when we put it into a micro sense it means um understanding the type of knowledge we possess in the company, cataloging it, streamlining it, and then make sure that we create it in a way that it's maintainable. Interesting. To put it, yeah, to put it mildly, let's just say that we have a person that comes, it's a specialist that comes and needs to help us with our machine learning. The best course of action would be not to leave this person drifting around trying to figure out what we already have, but actually having a sort of like a data set or internal database and then having a um, streamlined process, maybe part of your onboarding or whatever it is, uh, 
that will help this person understand where we are, what we know, where we want to get better, what is the point of having someone in here, what are our goals, what is it that we, that we want to achieve, and not to take three months for that person, but literally to take one or two days, five days from now, you know exactly where we stand, what we know, where you can help, if you have ideas, how you can apply those ideas, and so on and so on. Great. So this is really interesting because I'm. Uh, where did you work before Invisible? Oh, uh, I come from a, a, uh, a background which combines logistics, supply chain solutions, and uh, um, a bit of uh, DevOps. So I used to work uh, in logistics and transportation, spent five years in Iraq, in uh, North Iraq, specifically in Kurdistan. Uh, when I came back to Macedonia, I started working for... Um, that was the first time I started actually working with Invisible. That was 2017. Um, then I moved on. I worked for a company from Belgium that was developing its own internal um, uh, software for... Um, literally, it was a sort of like the CRM that allows uh, the, the, the company to actually um, run its daily tasks and, and um, kind of process the services rendered towards the client and then i worked in a very similar field in a company that actually works with uh, chain restaurants within the united states mm. and that was kind of the connection um that we had with uh with uh what is it that we were we do with part uh, uh at invisible as well Okay, interesting. So it sounds like what you said about knowledge management and the specific thing that Invisible does well, which is that it's it's you quickly figure out what needs to be done and not through this over sort of top-down approach of being like, okay, we need to do this, but in sort of a collaborative approach where you bring together the, the parties and figure out everybody together instead of other people hanging out. And so the reason why I asked that question about where do you work before is because Invisible is remote. Uh, and knowledge management at remote companies is extremely difficult because we're not all in the same office. Uh, and so can you talk more about what specifically the special sauce of Invisible has in terms of knowledge management and remote work? Oh, that is that is a very interesting idea. So this brings me back to the first thing that I had with Invisible. So um, Stuart, to put it mildly, um, I think we've all seen it. If we haven't seen it, let me just mention it for a moment. So there are these videos. These are like researches done for ADHD. So they're kids and they give them a homework of math and they are literally not doing anything there. You just leave the kid alone with the, with the books and the kid is doing everything except looking at the book. Then you do the same thing with a monitor. You, 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 you sit the kid on a on a on a on a chair and you start playing mathematics. And the kid is like, you know, rolling around, moving, doing everything except of paying attention uh, on the monitor. And then you switch it. You play a video game or you play cartoons, and now the kid has full focus on the monitor. So the concept of invisible was um, how do we create an environment where everyone would thrive and not be like, I don't want to do this, but I'm forced and pushed to do this because it's my existence, because I need to work and so on and so on. So the beautiful part is that Invisible was created as a sort of like a video game. 
like when you go to work, you're like, you're you're going on a quest, you know, quest accepted. I have my sword, I have my shield, let's go on. Um, and the interesting part here is that um, you are in an environment that you feel uh, comfortable in. Uh, one of the perks of remote work is literally the mental health. I do believe that people kind of maybe do not understand it in a better, perhaps not understand it is a very harsh word. They're not paying too much attention to it, but uh, let me give you an example. So um, we have this kid um, and it's, it struggles socially. The social IQ may be not at the level required. And then you take this kid and you throw it in a structured concept of education such as the world offers. So you need to go in a school uh, room, you need to sit next to someone else, you need to write down, you need to be quiet, you need to listen, and so on and so on. And, and then on top of it, you need to socialize. And then maybe girls would come, you know, everything happens. And this kid struggles. Maybe they get bullied, maybe they have an issue opening up, maybe too much people around them and so on and so on. The, the studying itself is not the problem. It's the development of the concept of this human being that is the problem. So what happens, on the other hand, is this kid goes uh, home, turns on the computer, yeah. logs into World of Warcraft or whatever, MMORPG, yeah. and this kid takes one hour just saying hi to everyone because they consider him a god. That's the GM. This 14-year-old kid has... In one hour, 1,000 people saying, hi, how are you? Pleasure, respect, light be with you. <laughs> and people people do not understand that in that fashion. So basically, you need to get up in the morning. You need to wash, you know, you need to do the whole shenanigans over hygiene, take yeah. a shower, wash, yeah. da, 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 da. Yeah. you need to have some food, you need to dress up, you need to go into your car or go into a public transport, get into the office, and then sit around with a lot of people around you, okay? Yeah. And then, and then the day ends, and then you need to come back. Now the question is, we're not robots, especially management concept. Yeah. You're not there to execute. You're there to provide your mind. Yeah. Or provide your experience. Yeah. And you're stuck eight hours in front of a computer in a box in a large building. Versus. Versus you're at home, at the beach, in Argentina, in Palma de Mallorca, you're in your shorts, if needed, if your sales, obviously there is tier concept, you know, you need to be presentable. But you're, your kids are around you, your dog is next to you, you work whenever you want. Now that's heavily dependent on the task that you're doing, but let's just say for the sake of it, you have a task that's not limited within the day. You can get up, you can do whatever you need to do, then sit down when you're ready, finish the work. If needed, someone will call. You have Slack, you can check if you're needed. Do you understand me? So there are, the, the perks of working remote are remarkable. When we come to the knowledge concept is whoever comes in here, there is a mechanism that you explain to them, guys, this is what we need to do. When we start, we need you on Zoom or whatever tool it is that we are using. We can communicate. So the, the communication is not um, 
perhaps it's not tete-a-tete when we're sitting in the same room. Perhaps the bonding, when you're bonding with other people, you know, endorphins and all of these hormones that are, you know, people are breathing and you're around them. You can smell them. Yep. You cannot smell anyone on your computer. Well, today, that would... maybe in the future, maybe the future in remote environments, we can build the virtual world and bring the olfactory sense into it. But, uh, exactly, but exactly, exactly. Word, word, uh, by all means. So the concept was that there is no difference between us sitting in an ocean type in, uh, uh, office on the 31st floor in Stuart also Plaza versus us being on zoom yeah no difference whatsoever the only the only difference is that if i need to sneeze i just mute and i sneeze if i need to go to the toilet i go to the toilet if i need to do something i do it and i just say guys apologies i need two minutes and you do whatever you want to do whether it's at home or in the hotel as i said i do believe the comfort zone itself something which is ultra important and let's be clear here not every industry is available and capable of producing or providing the potential or possibility for you to work remotely okay but the no yeah the knowledge management apologies for interjecting just to finish up the knowledge management itself is created based on experience that we've all experienced and we found most probably let's just say a decent way to kind of present it to whoever is joining the team and explain to them these are the perks this is what you need and so on and so on and so on now we can we can discuss this there's like a bunch of different aspects and by all means but it's always important not to focus on ad hoc stuff and on the exceptions but basically on the rules this is great and so what i get from what you just said is that basically Remote work is better is if you're neurodivergent, have some ADD, have some uh, computer game experience. And then also that Invisible figured out how to do how to make work feel like a online multiplayer game so that people who are good at video games and have already kind of uh, le learned that world fit right into Invisible. Is that accurate? Um, a small correction, not who have learned, but presenting the experience of playing online. So Got there it. are people yeah, who yeah, never yeah. who never Got played it, yeah. video games. We show them the concept. This is what uh, gaming online would look like. That's 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 kind of that's that's kind of the the whole concept. That's the idea of it to make it interactive, not really? to make it crude and hardcore. But okay, it's interactive. It's here, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and you've been at Invisible for a long time. You've been at Invisible working with Invisible, maybe in a contractor role since two thousand seventeen. So you've seen, you know, Invisible started in 2015. So you've seen the evolution of Invisible starting with that sort yes. of seed of remote work. And they've always been remote first, which is which is a rare thing for a lot of companies before the pandemic. So you've seen this evolution the whole time. Yes, yes. And I can tell you it's a whole different ballgame now. At that time, uh, it was a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Not, when we say struggle, that's a challenge always. It was challenging to retain whatever was there. It was challenging to combine it. Um, we were we were using Slack bots as our first doll. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, it was, I do believe it was the vision itself that was very important. It was the concept of meritocracy. Mm. It's like, um, 
you need to be able to provide value and we can teach you we can set you up for success no one was set up for a failure mm. there were bumps on the road and definitely there would be bumps on the road but the idea of having multicultural concept the, the literally the whole world well at that time it was not the whole world but if you have uh, employees from chile and then all the way to tokyo that means you have bunch of different cultures in one place mm. and you're all working to converge towards the same goal so mm. it was it was an interesting concept yeah um I love I love seeing that and I love what I'm seeing now and how different it became and how uh how much we have developed and how how these companies literally always kind of in the middle of these revolutions that are happening and although this might sound uh, uh idealistic but we're in the middle of uh, uh AI revolution and for some reason, I mean, th that's kind of always it. Uh, there's a, a lot of skeptics. There's the Skynet talks and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why, for the love of God, why? Why don't you just read a bit? Why don't you just read? Uh, and I'm not judging. I'm not being judgmental. Let's be clear here. The same thing happened in the 1900s. So it, it all started in 1850, 1860. Wait, I didn't... What, what started... Yes. So the industrial revolution mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. So you have 1860 when the manufacture concept is changing slowly. Automations are being uh, kind of enabled. And then you have the development of the car, of the internal combustion engine. So what people fail to understand is that this is not the first time that we have revolution. Like uh, one of the things that I did read, and maybe this was Joe Rogan, uncertain, maybe I heard it on Joe Rogan. Uh, like if you go to England, for instance, or to certain cities within the United States, or for that matter, anywhere in, in, in Western Europe, the question was why on each and every house that is on the actual street, you need to go through uh, several sets of stairs to get actually home uh -huh. instead of the generic concept that you have now when it's on the flat floor. So you have the street, you have the curb, and then you directly enter the house. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's quite an interesting question. Why would that be? And then it was horse uh, uh, dong. Sorry, I, I wanted to find a more proper phrase. They had so many horses that all the dong was actually on the streets. <laughs> so now, now, no, hear, hear me out. So... It's not only the horses; it's the whole concept in the industry that that was the industry that was within uh, that was embedded in the society because of the horses, stables, and blah blah blah. And that's one part of it. Then you have all these factories that are producing steel, and then you have the mines, and then you have someone like Stuart Winslow Taylor coming and saying, "What is going on here, guys? What are you all doing?" let's let's make something better and then he implements what we refer to as the scientific management uh. and steel factories that are crumbling that are on the on the brink of bankruptcy they become these machines for money so basically it was required for a bunch of these people to be rerouted to do something else 
Wait, wait. So I want to, there's some gaps, there's some gaps here I want to fill in because uh, it's really interesting. So mm -hmm. you're saying that 1850s, 1860s, all of the streets that people used to live to get to their houses were really windy uh, and that you needed to base it. And the reason why was because the doors needed to be away from the horse dung. Yeah, well, basically a bit a bit higher. So you go into London, for instance, or you go into a older city in the States, and what you have is a main street, like even, even old New York. Like you have a main street, and then the houses that are next to the street, they have stairs. You go onto the stairs, they have steps, and then you get inside the house. So they're like uh, one meter higher or one and a half meters higher than the actual street itself it, so you have a street it. then you have the curb and then you need to walk onto stairs to get inside versus versus newer neighborhoods where it's the street and then it's the curb like for instance in in, in britain most of the most of the neighborhoods look like that it's like the street the curb and then you enter in the house directly you don't need to go to stairs or whatever interesting and kind of according to joe rogan and whoever was with him it was because of the horses and because of the donk, they had so many horses on the streets and these horses, they need to, you know, they need to defecate. And all these feces around were making it unbearable. Whoa. And, okay. and now I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so then this, you mentioned the steel factories, the steel factories were essentially, they weren't doing that good business. Uh, what is yes. the relationship between the steel factories and the horses in the streets? Oh, very interesting. I was referring to how the uh, industry uh, changes and how certain industries are gone. So mm -hmm. what happens is I, I also mentioned the creation of the internal combustion engine, yep. which kind of connects everything. So uh, the steel factories, the steel factories were failing because of the lack of proper management. They didn't know what to do and how to do it. They were under the impression that each and every unit that they would have in form of, let's just say, a laborer, they can produce the same amount. They can they can, they can, can work eight hours and they can produce yeah, the it. same output. Yeah, they're, just, yeah, machines. That, they're that, just plugs in the machines. You just plug in a new human, the new human will be able to do the same thing as all the other humans. Well, Stuart, Stuart Winslow Taylor did not think like that. Yeah. So let, let me connect the internal combustion engine with the horses and then we go together. So the point, the, the point of me um, mentioning the internal combustion engine is because it created a new type of transport, which made the old type of transport obsolete. So I mentioned horses. Horses need stables. They need people that work with horses. And this was very, very hardcore. Each and every place, each and every tavern had a stable. You need to park your car somewhere. In a span of 20, 30 years, all of this was done, mm. non-existent, non-existent. Horses were rerouted to do something else. Mm. It was not the initial intention. Same goes for um, whales, whale hunters, and these villages that you have them across the entire Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. As things started to progress, people started finding different and automated ways to do whatever was done manually before. That created the, the need for us not to have these remote villages where people would live and they would go on boats and then they would go and, and, and hunt whales and then they would use these villages to actually produce the 
uh, whale oil or whatever it is products that they have from the whales. They created better ships that can go and come back. So these villages became obsolete. Yep. And if you if you if you run the calculations, you would see that you have stores. So that means uh, I forgot one thing to mention: carriages. Carriages were essential. They were the transportation. You use a carriage to transport goods. Use a carriage to transport people. Done. Gone. And then you have the way that the industry is working, which now connects me again, not only to steel factories, to everything. You have uh, the, the generic concept of the first telephone. Yep. Then you have 1903, the brothers Wright. Now we have uh, airplanes. Point being, all of these developments or what we call the industrial revolution changed the world to better. It did not create a crisis. It did not remove employment opportunities. It enhanced the possibility for us to open up new work opportunities in a similar fashion that AI is doing. What is the point of you spending six months, six months to find all of the data that you need to write a report or an essay or a dissertation. Yeah. Open one thing, open. Now, it's not the effort itself of reading it. We're not challenging that. It's the point, it's, it's you know, um, I have a very simple concept. Do you know the quadratic formula? Uh, I, I've learned it before, but let's explain it for the audience. Yeah. X, one, two equals minus B plus minus square root of B square minus four AC on top of 2a. That's what you would use to actually um, uh, try to solve an equation that would start 15, and I, I'm just throwing numbers, 15x squared minus 24x plus whatever, plus 9 equals 0. Now, the concept is that every single person that has studied math in a way or a fashion would remotely know something about this. Yep. But if you would go to become a professor, for instance, or if you go and, and, and study higher math, then one of the subjects would be how it was derived. But the expectation is not the expectation is not for us every time we need to use it to derive it and then solve it because that's gonna take ages. Yes, got it. Yep. Yep. So point was we found a shortcut and then we use it. That's the whole point of it. We know yep. exactly what we need to do when we have a, a problem like that. We apply this formula. Thank you very much. Goodbye. In yep. a similar fashion, I'm quite certain that we, where we are with the derivation of the formula itself is where we stand with most of the things at the moment in our world. Yeah. We need to derive it. You need to spend time and spend people's time and just throw people at it and they're working, trying. And then you say, wait, we can simplify it. We can make things better and then we can have these people focus on something that requires the brain to be focused yeah, like, uh, like if we if we have an employee that require that is required to only click a button okay so how do we find automation that will click the button and then we have the person control it instead of 10 people clicking 10 buttons we have an automation that clicks the buttons and we have two people controlling it, making sure everything works, runs smoothly, you know, and this is a very plastic example, I'm just saying. Yes. 
No, I get it. And this, so, yeah, this ties in directly mm -hmm. to what you're doing at Invisible with the AI. And I want to talk about that as well. But I want to wrap mm -hmm. up what you've been basically saying is that we've been going through these revolutions ever, ever since the 1850s, 1860s, where it's just radically changed everything. And instead of the fear that a lot of people have around AI, that it's, hey, it's going to take all my jobs and everything like that. No, it's just going to change your jobs. So it's going to it's yes. going to change the job. And we're and so now I'd love to talk about uh, how specifically, at, at, you know, as we've been discussing, you've been at Invisible since 2017. And this mm -hmm. AI idea that Invisible, it's not a new thing that Invisible has been talking about. Uh, Invisible has been talking about the, the the changing nature of work since 2015. And that, yes. you know, AI is going to is going to change a lot of things. And so AI has built this wonderful um, a single platform where they've uh, been able to, as you've been saying, like in, in the same way that Stuart Winslow Taylor did the same thing for scientific management of going into the factories and helping them to understand the process of work. Exactly. Optimizing the process. Yep. Yep. So let's talk about that and let's talk about what you've been doing. Let's make it really concrete and say like, so how has Invisible been using this AI machine learning uh, to do work better, faster and cheaper and do specific, I want to state knowledge work do knowledge work better, faster, and cheaper? So, yeah, thank you for that. So, um, basically, one of the things that Invisible does is we are OAAS, Operations as a Service. Um, the, the, the basic structural concept of what Invisible is trying to do is optimize any process that a client would have, and that includes our internal processes. So, optimization is like an ever-evolving dynamic concept. It doesn't stop. It doesn't change. Just to go back to the point that you said, if you go back even to the seventh uh, century, mm. you, there, there is a TV show called Vikings when they go uh, to the king of uh, Wessex and he brings them a, a plow. <laughs> and they're like, wow, we can work better the land. So AHT goes like non-existent uh -huh. compared to what they were using. The point a was- AHT, wait, wait. Agent handling time, right? Yes, a, a average handling time. Average handling time. Average, average yeah, handling average time. handling time. So if they took, uh, I do not know, four days <laughs> to kind of work on the farm, now they take three hours. Yep, got it. With a plow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the plow, exactly. Yeah. So the point was, these are all tools provided to us throughout the history of the existence of humankind, where... We just need to apply them properly. And that's what we're doing at the moment. In, in Invisible, the concept of optimization was always there, as I mentioned. What we're trying to do now is enhancing by using artificial intelligence. Mm. What's the point of it? The point is, so we have these LLMs and regs and everything in between. We have these different ginormous companies that are heavily invested into working and creating these uh, networks that are based on deep learning uh, and machine learning, and um, um, they are trying to understand and learn based on the principles uh, of deep learning and machine learning. We're not going to go into details how they're learning. So what we're trying to achieve is leverage that and figure out how to implement it throughout everything. When I say everything, I really mean everything. <laughs> Whether we can implement it in the way that we're writing an email, the way we're sending the email, the way we're scheduling a podcast, the way we are tackling a task for the client, the way we are calling the client, the way we communicate with the client, the way we 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 invoice the client, the way we delegate um, tasks around us, the way we understand management, the way we create the knowledge base, the way we represent the knowledge base. 
the way that we are empowering our employees to understand what the company offers as benefits, for instance, the way we explain and delegate what, what is required today, the way we delegate what are the goals of the company, what we want to achieve. So everything that you see around you can be optimized. What we're trying to do is leverage artificial intelligence as it is at the moment and apply. Hence, we call it AI enablement. We're trying to enable artificial intelligence assistance to the process itself. Now, the thing that um, we're trying also to kind of uh, explain more properly is that it doesn't have to be only AI. The first thing is to raise the mindset of the company, mm. of everyone, every single piece of the company, mm. and explain to them, guys, optimization lies in a combination, so it's a combo. AI will not do the job for us. Uh, I have a very simple um, um, example. Um, so imagine your grandfather and my grandfather. Yeah, It's 1951. And they're working in a company, any company. There's yeah. like 1,000 employees. And yeah. now the time has come for us to do some inventories. The time has come for us to pay salary. The time has come for us to, uh, you know, invoice clients. I would envision it as 150 people in a uh, in, in this financial department. And they all have their pens. And they all have God knows what sheets and, and papers. And they're writing. They're calculating seven, eight digit numbers. Now imagine... Stuart comes and says, hey, grandpa, here's a calculator. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah, yeah. what would happen? Can you imagine this person is going to do everything for everyone like this because of the simplification of the calculation concept? Yeah. That's what AI should be. Yeah. And well, in, in that process, in that process, we are learning and understanding, oh, we can do this. Oh, we can do this. Wow, we can do this. And then as we combine it, you know, when you when you're trading securities and when you explain different types of trenches of different securities and financial products, the way you combine them, basically, you're selling a product that's combined of different increments of different what were previously products. Mm. The same thing we're doing here. We had an operational concept. We optimized it. We optimized a bit more. We optimized a bit more. We AI enhanced. They enhanced. They enable. We go to the client and we tell them, why pay more when you can pay less? Yeah. And we offer that to the clients. Even to the extent, guys, we've charged you like this amount. We're going to charge you less because now we can do it better and easier. We just want you to be happy and to understand that we are here to help. Yeah. We're not here only to take the money. We're here to earn the money. We so want you to say invisible. You stay invisible, your apologies, final thought. And you think of efficacy, efficiency, decency, hard work, loyalty, partner, family, brother, reliance, reliable. That's what we are. Yeah. We don't want to think someone, oh, we're going to get, uh, we're going to get, you know, sorry, I was going to use a profanity. It's not legit, you know, doubts and fears. We want to avoid that at all costs. So yeah, please, you had a question. Yeah, well, so you know, I'd love to talk about because you've been at, at Invisible for so long. You've, you've seen the evolution of the whole idea. Um, and for the first before AI, my understanding of Invisible is that they're using traditional automations and traditional automations. There's an input and there's an output, 
And there's, it's a very sort of predictable thing that as long as you can do the hard work of translating the business problem, this problem that it will give you a reliable output. Of course, there's bugs and all this different stuff, but now enter machine learning and machine learning is not standardized. When you talk with the LLMs, you basically get a, a different answer every time. Um, and it's not at all clear that the people who are coding these things actually understand what's going on. Uh, and that mm -hmm. it's, it's a hallucinatory thing that just like human beings, it comes up with nonlinear um, uh, output that you you that nobody can really understand from the input, how it got from the input to this nonlinear output. And I love it because you've been at the ground floor after these many years of experience of seeing the traditional automations. Um, mm -hmm. and, and now you've seen this magical technology that leads to nonlinear outputs that are not predictable, that are not controllable. And you're sort of, you're in this really interesting position where you're wielding this tool to try to make it into a predictable fashion because business does better when it's predictable. It, so first of all, is that an accurate representation of this new technology? And then second, what have you learned about actually uh, implementing this technology? Okay, um, so yes, definitely. Let's just say to an extent, and I will I will expand on that and explain. So um, there is a, I need to reference a movie again. I think most of the people have seen the first Hulk that came out. It was not with Edward Norton. It was with the other actor from Troy. Uh -huh. I forgot his name. The, the, the interesting part about that Hulk is, um, I, th I think it's Eric Bana. Yeah, Eric Bana was yep, the Hulk. I remember it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first time he transforms, he's like this kid. He's small. He's not very tall. The second time he transforms, he's a bit bigger. Like a like a teenager, and the third time he actually transforms, he's a full-grown, mature Hulk. In a similar fashion, that's what the LLMs are. Because so they do not have any sentience in them. It's a deep learning model, it's a network that can learn based on repetitions, but it doesn't have any sentience. Or whatever it has in a form of sentience is not sentience because sentience is something that requires for you to have a soul and we as humankind are the only ones that have it. Perhaps it can improvise with it, but it doesn't have it. Hmm. Uh, so the point was that the, hallucin the hallucinations per se, um, and that's why I said sort of, you know, to an extent um, to, to expand on that concept is First and foremost, it's the way that you're trying to retrieve the information because everything is a code. Even if you take conservative coding, you can have a functional code that will provide faulty results. It doesn't have to be an error. It just would not produce what you need it to produce or it will produce it, but it's gonna keep on failing. Why? Because the input that requires the request itself is flawed. So you write a script on Python, you put it, but the data that you need to be retrieved with your conditions, in its core, it's flawed. Then whatever you receive as a response is going to be flawed, which brings us to the prompts itself. So the majority of these LLMs require interaction. So that means you need to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. So we discussed the whole concept of kid versus immature. In a similar fashion, the LLM is growing. If you overload it with sounds of information, it's going to 
keep on it's gonna make a mess out of it like a kid <laughs> you tell a kid bam 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 and they start saying uh i wish you a merry christmas happy birthday oh yeah happy birthday you know yeah. so so what we what i've learned so far is that there is a critical way of how to approach the data it's a layer on top of a layer on top of a layer on top of a layer that's why one of the things that you have which would have never been for instance if you go back to 1995 and we had these LLMs, everything would have been charged and paid for. Mm. Everything, the access to it would be non-existent. Yeah. Now everything is free. Yep. Not chat GPT per se or whatever you wanna you, you wanna work on, cloud or whatever. I'm talking about the potential for you to take the knowledge, take a platform and create your own LLM. That's free. You don't have to pay anything. You just need to create it. And if you do that, you would see that the hallucinations you're seeing are actually the way in which the system itself is trying to understand itself. Number one. And number two, the way that you need to prompt it, the way that you need to request the information. And we've been heavily invested into understanding how to use that. And to a certain extent, with certain different types of tasks, we kind of have understood that the closest we got was around five to 10% margin error for very minor differences in a response. So geographically, we are at three uh, completely different places. Let's just say one Asia, one North America, one Europe. We go regular way, we prompt it, we get differences in the response. Interesting. We kind of we kind of streamline it a bit, you know. We we tune it up a bit. We send it again, almost the same response. Got it. So the point was we we're developing. We're developing. There are tools that allow you to develop it and create multiple iterations. Normally, you know, alpha, beta testing. You test it, test it, test it, test it, and then at one point, you understand that based on the prompt, you're receiving a very similar, very identical response, regardless of who prompts you, which is remarkable. <laughs> so you have felt you have developed a system where you can get reproducible response all dependent on the prompt itself. Well, let's just say we, uh, for the sake of the concept and the, the, the agreement uh, that we, we discussed it at the, at the start of the show, yep. it's us leveraging a system not yes. creating a system yeah got it just to be very, very clear there <laughs> yeah yep. okay super interesting okay so we got about uh five minutes left uh what has been the most interesting thing that surprised you over the past month or two as you've been kind of heads down trying to get this thing to produce work better faster and cheaper how have you been surprised by it um i think it might be uh perceived as negative i do believe it's the comfort zone of uh, of uh, the majority of the people i'm not talking only invisible yeah. i'm talking now every time i would discuss ai with yeah. an acquaintance family. with a person yeah. with family yeah. it's um the the lack of willingness and the skepticism and uh, those stories about Skynet and robots, they're going to kill us. They're going to yeah. take over the world. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's just astonishing for me. It's yeah. like, uh, just to give you a thought here. I mean, 
that's a whole different level of misunderstanding, which is remarkable. It's like uh, ignorance is a bliss at its finest. I'm like, what you're seeing on TV, guys, when Skynet takes over, that's impossible yes. at the moment. Would you like to tell me? Would you like me to tell you why? I'm like, from what I know, in the DOD, for instance, several departments, they have completely different operational systems. They're like operational system. It's not an application. It's an OS. And they do not communicate with each other. Uh -huh. So that's, that's number one. Number two, there could be and there is a way that bridges a lot of the services that we have, whether it's the States or Europe or whatever. You know, just for the sake of the concept, you need to go to a doctor. They need to find your social security, which kind of connects to your bank so they can see your credit, uh, your, uh, your, you know, your credit ratings. And then it connects to whatever. But I'm like, that's just the tip of the iceberg in between databases. They're, they're individual and the access there is completely restricted. Zero trust policy. And you're trying to tell me that we're going to create an AI that's going to go take over everything, create robots, and then kill us? I'm like, if you believe in that, then that's the same as saying there are aliens, they're going to come and they're going to attack us. A shark is going to eat me on the street. That's number one. Number two, the mere... And sorry, I got into the... Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was, that was a, a bit too much, but I just wanted to say that the level of misunderstanding that I'm seeing. And the second one is the mere application of itself. It's like this comfort zone of well it's easier for me to write on a paper yeah my wife my wife yeah. would tell me sometimes like that i'm like but sweetie you have you have a an iphone 14 why would you write on a paper you have everything you can you can speak to it and it will write everything down but it's the habit mm -hmm. it's the habit that you have to write down now i'm not judging writing i write as, as well but I do not write everything, especially not if I'm mobile. I'm not going to stop now, open a notebook and start writing. I will use my phone. The point of the phone is to do that. One of the things, one of the perks of my phone is to do that. In a similar fashion, if AI allows you to kind of optimize your daily routine, then by all means, optimize it. The thing is that it would require maybe for you to learn a bit more. And everyday learning seems to be sometimes an issue for people. A lot of people. And it's really interesting. Yes. It's it's interesting because I've been I've been my friend here uh has has come down and visited me in Argentina and he's hanging out and he's rented the Airbnb above me and he's a programmer. Mm -hmm. And he we've been talking a lot about AI. We both use AI tons and and he's been teaching me how to program using AI, which has been mind blowing. Uh and um and so we talk a lot about how developers, even people who are used to technology, I'd say probably 80% of them, 90% of them are he scared, hesitant, unwilling to change habits in order to implement this technology. So there's like 10% of developers who are getting super augmented uh, by this new technology and real curious to use it. And then 90% of the other people who are into technology are just like, happen to not have an interest or a curiosity about it or kind of scared of it or anything like that and aren't using it. And it's like the difference between those programmers and the ones who are adopting AI. Like one of the biggest things I've learned is that me as a non-technical person can now learn how to code far, far easier than when I tried in 2013. Um, and and that is that is remarkable. That is that is like changes progress. Yeah. You're, you don't have to like it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, 
we've been taught since kids that there are certain things that we need to do, but we're yep. not going to lie. Yep. Yep. It is impossible. It, it is impossible for you. Impossible. Improbable, let's just say. That you would work what you want. You can try to create a concept of what is it that you need to do to make it a bit more interesting for you, but not necessarily love it. Because let's be honest, if someone needs to choose between being on the beach, sipping on a cocktail, enjoying listening to music, being with friends, family, girlfriend, boyfriend, best friend, whatever, and being in an office or stuck on the computer and typing code, let's be honest here. Most of the people would want to be on the beach, but yeah. it's a necessity for us to be on the computer and run the code. So if we need to do it, let's make it interesting. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of my idea. And everything that you see, which is new, nothing, do not kind of embrace it without testing it first. You know, it's yeah. like an information, validate it, vet it, say, is, does this make sense? Is this, you know, fake? Is this fraudulent? Or is this something that can make me a better copy of myself for tomorrow? Changes progress, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's brilliant. I just want to leave us with one. Well, there's a bunch of things I kind of want to leave us with. Is that soon, <laughs> soon, soon I'll, I'll, I will be programming on the beach. I'll figure out how to do that, and I'll be surfing. Yes, programming for sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> second thing is that I would love to continue this conversation on my personal channel, Crazy Wisdom. That would be really fun because there's a lot of things that you've mentioned in this episode that want me to dig deeper, including growing up in Macedonia. During this time, somehow you have become uh, an open. What do they call it? They uh, uh, what um, early adopter. You're an early adopter. Growing up in Macedonia, I would love to understand the history, your your personal history, and also the time you spent in Iraq. But in just in general, I I, I I've really enjoyed this episode. You've taught me a lot about not only AI but also like the revolutions leading up to AI, which I would love to dig in further. Um, for those of us who are who are listening, who are curious about you and what you do at Invisible, either whether they're already working at Invisible, but this is a public podcast, so you may have people outside of Invisible who are curious about what you're doing. Can you leave them a, a way to get in touch if you're if you if you'd like to? Yep, by all means. <clears throat> um... Um, daniel.trist at invisible.email at any time, please shoot an email. Um, and uh, if more details are required, then we can kind of figure out how to share that. Great. So daniel.rist uh, at invisible.email. Is that right? Yep. Yes. Cool. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. It was my pleasure. Appreciate it. And yes, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Plain Sight, presented by Invisible. If you liked what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button and consider sharing with your network. And if you're interested in learning more about how Invisible helps teams cut costs and scale, visit our website at invisible.co. See you next time.